Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Of the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Alright, so last Sunday we started talking about the gospel of the kingdom. And our emphasis was on the fact that uh, I was thinking about it this morning. And uh, it came very strong to my heart. Jesus... Um, came with a message. He is the message, but he also came with a message. Right? Because he preached a message. And uh, as we look at the scriptures, and as we look at God's word, we see that uh, particularly, there is the gospel of the kingdom. And we, we, we were trying to find our way around it in explaining through the scriptures what that is, and why that was the <clears throat> very core emphasis of Jesus and the apostles. Now, one of, one of the things we're trying to do here in these studies is to lay foundations, okay? And, and subsequently, as the Lord helps us, we will build on them. So we're not going too deep, but just laying the basic foundation of what the Jesus and the apostles preach. What did they preach? What was their core message? What was their emphasis? What did they try to emphasize every time they taught. And we would find out that they emphasized the gospel of the kingdom. And, and we did all of that in part one. Make sure you get the messages if, you're not, if you don't have them. And make sure your note is up to date. Now, um, we stopped last Sunday in Isaiah 33 and verse 22. That's where we stopped on Sunday. Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 22. It says, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. And the Lord is our king. He will save us. And uh, we looked at that and we saw that that typified the fact that the government of the nation of Israel, that God wanted to be their sole king, Praise the name of the Lord. He wanted to be their sole Lord. Uh, there, are, there are various forms of, of government. Okay? There is a democracy, which is government of the people, for the people, by the people, with the people, everything the people. You know? And there are other forms of government. But then there is theocracy. What's theocracy? It's the government of God. And that's what God wanted to establish for the children of Israel. That Israel will operate a theocratic government. The word theos um, means God. Okay? A government in which God is the one who governs his children. Now, we, we, we found out last Sunday that when they demanded for a king, uh, God was upset about it and he says, they haven't rejected you, Samuel, but they have rejected me. That means they have rejected me from being a king over them. And then we talked about how God 
promised David that he would always have a man on the throne. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, we want to push a bit further today and get up to Daniel. We talked about the key of David last Sunday. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Now, in Daniel chapter 2, and um, some of you know the story. How, how many of you have read about the image of Daniel? The dream that, the, the image of, uh, of yeah, we, we call it the image of Daniel. But the image that King Nebuchadnezzar saw. Have you, have you, have you taken your time to read about that? Huh? No? Okay. Uh, so where do we start from now? For those of you who say no. Okay, so let me see now. So it's going to be a long reading. Can we go to Daniel chapter 2 and verse 31? Let's read quickly. You, O king, were looking and behold, there was a single great statue. Please follow that. It's very, very important. Very important. And the statue to it was large and of extraordinary splendor was standing in front of you. And its appearance was awesome. Now follow this. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly clay. You continued looking, please pay attention, until a stone, underline that, was cut out without human hands. Pay attention to that. And it struck the statue on its feet of iron, and clay and crushed it. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed. Look at that phrase, the next phrase. These are all very important. All at the same time. And became like shaft from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone, observe that, that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Nothing in the Bible is just written for the sake of completing the pages. So pay attention to every single thing we're reading. Now observe the interpretation. The interpretation. Uh, verse 36. This was the dream. Now we'll tell you it's interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. To whom the God of heaven had given this kingdom the power, the strength, and glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the beasts of the sky... And then he has given them unto your head and has caused you to rule over them. He now says, you are the head of gold. So the kingdom of Babylon was the head of gold. Alright? Now, if you go to verse 39, it says, After there will arise another kingdom inferior to you, then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over the earth. Now, this kingdom that came after uh, the Babylonian... Um, handle those kids. Get into my head. The kingdom that came after Babylon Empire was the kingdom of Medopatia. So, the kingdom of Babylon was the strongest empire. And then came the kingdom of Medopatia, which was the silver. Now, if you go to uh, um, verse 39, you'll find that. And then, then, then came the Grecian Empire, which was the, the kingdom of Greece, which is the head of bronze. And then, the iron, which is the feet 
okay, mixed with clay was the Roman Empire. You can find that in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 40 to 47. So, in the image of Daniel, now follow very carefully now because this brings us into a certain foundation. In, in the image of Daniel, the head of gold speaks of the Babylonian Empire. So the Bible says uh, in Va the dream that, that Nebuchadnezzar had that another kingdom was going to come, okay, which was going to be the Medopatian kingdom. And then another kingdom would defeat that kingdom, it was going to be the Grecian Empire. And then another kingdom would come, which would be the Roman Empire. If you, if you study a bit of history, you see that this follows into history. Now go to verse 44. Verse 44, and pay attention to that. Verse 44 says, In the days of those kings, of which kings now? Of the Roman Empire and all of these kingdoms. Okay, now, let, 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 let me explain something. When he says in the days of those kings. Now, when a kingdom is defeated, it is, it is not like it, it absolutely disappears. It's like a kingdom is defeated and then this kingdom swallows up this kingdom. Alright? And then this kingdom swallows up this kingdom. And this kingdom swallows up this kingdom. Especially if you watch old history. Okay. Now, it says, in the days of those kings. Now, look at this. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Now, this, this, the, the prophet of Daniel tells us, first of all, when the kingdom will be set up. When will the kingdom be set up? In the days of what? Of those kings. Which kings are we referring to now? So if we follow, if we follow now carefully, we will not be talking about the days of the Roman Empire. I know it looks like history, but just follow. Okay? Now it says, in the days of, the, of, of, in the days of those kings, the, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. Now look at this. It will crush... And put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. So, it says that in the days of that king, God is going to set up a kingdom. So, that means the kingdom, listen carefully, would be set up in the days of those kings. It will not be set up afterwards. It will, set up, it will be set up in the days of those kings, and it will continue forever. Are you following this? Alright, then verse 45, Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain, now observe what the, the characteristics of the stone. It says, without hands. Without hands. And that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold, the great God has made known to the king, that which will take place in the future. So the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. Now it says, what's going to happen is God has shown you what's going to take place in the future. Now remember, Daniel was talking to Nebuchadnezzar. Alright? So when he was talking to Nebuchadnezzar, he says... This is going to happen in the future. Come on, are you following this now? Talk to me, are you following this? Alright, now, uh, Jesus, many times in scriptures, was referred to as a stone. Now, let me just give you the summary of this. What he was trying to say is that in the days of that king, Jesus was going to emerge and set up the kingdom of God. And he's going to crush other kingdoms. But how do we know that this is Jesus? Because the stone is going to be without hands. 
And we know that Jesus came, of course he took the flesh uh, from the mother Mary, but he came without human conception. So Jesus is the stone that came without hands to crush the other mountains. But the timing is important because the timing of the setting up, the Greek word, to, the Hebrew word to set up means to be securely fastened, to establish, or to divinely arrange. So, in the days that the kingdom of God will be established, will be in the days of the Roman Empire. Alright? Okay, So Jesus is referred to as the stone. So I'll give you five scriptures where Jesus is referred to as the stone. Just write them down. We're not going to read them. Go back and do your studies. In, in um, Mark chapter 12 verse 10, he's referred to as the stone. Uh, Matthew 21, 42, is referred to as the stone. You know, Jesus is referred to as the stone that the builders rejected. <laughs> okay? Matthew 21, 42. So the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit. Luke 21, Luke 20, verse 17. Jesus is referred to as the stone. Romans chapter 9, verse 33. Jesus is referred to as the stone. So Jesus is the stone that was cut out without human hands. Now, if you read this without understanding biblical interpretation, you might just think that this is a literal stone. So that's why it's important to compare scriptures with scriptures because scriptures will give you uh, exactly the phraseology and explain itself to you. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, I said praise the name of the Lord. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, Jesus is referred to as the precious stone. You also know that the Bible refers to you as lively stones, right? Okay. So if Jesus is the chief cornerstone, what are the other stones that are used to build alongside Jesus? Yourself. That's why you're the body of Christ. Glory to God. Come on, I say glory to God. Alright, so we, we've seen those scriptures that refers to Jesus as a stone. So it says, in the days of those kings, the, 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 in the days of those kings, the God of heaven was set up. I want you to observe that. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom, alright, and that kingdom, listen to this, will never be destroyed. Will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms. But itself will endure forever. So the timeline of the Gentiles coming into the kingdom. And the setting up of the kingdom. Uh, 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 flows with the time of the Roman Empire. Now, when Jesus was born. You will realize something. Although Jesus, the scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews. That he's our high priest. When Jesus was born, only one phrase was used for him. Go to Luke chapter 1. Uh, no, let's start with Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. And uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. Matthew chapter 2. And verse 1 to 2. Let's, let's see this now. Just follow very, very carefully. And you see why this is very important to our understanding. 
Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, Magi, or magicians, from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, look at verse 2, look at what he said about Jesus. Where is he who has been born? What was the title they called Jesus? What? King of what? Come on, follow me, church. King of what? Of the Jews. Now, you understand that in the days of Herod was in the days of the Roman Empire. The Romans were in charge of Jerusalem, okay? They were, they were doing all of those stuff. They had conquered. They were the governing the world power in those days. We'll just call it, let's just say world power. And they say, we're looking for the king of the Jews. So Jesus was referred to as a king. Now, you cannot have a king without a kingdom. Okay? You cannot have a king without a kingdom. So they didn't just say a child has been born. They said we're looking for a king. Okay. Go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Luke chapter 1, the same thing. But just go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 26 quickly. Luke one twenty-six. Thank you Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 1 verse 26. Now in the sixth month of the angel... The, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. So a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph or the descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement. I kept pondering what kind of salutation was this. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for God has found favor with for you, have found favor with God. And behold, you conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. So if I have the words throne, kingdom, and reigning, what do you think will be missing? A king. Simple puzzle. If you talk about kingdom, you talk about throne, you talk about reigning, what do you think? It's referring to essentially king. Okay? Now, Luke chapter 4, verse 43. Luke chapter 4, verse 43. Look at what Jesus said. We're going to come back here, but look at what Jesus says. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So, it was clear that he was sent for a particular purpose. What was that purpose? To preach the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to understand that it was the announcement that Jesus is king that made Herod seek to kill him. Now, go to Matthew chapter 2. Go back to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 3. Matthew chapter 2 verse 3. When Herod, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Now, he was wondering, how can a king be born and I am king? That was a problem. That's why Herod said they should kill all the male children. Because if a king is born in my kingdom, there are two things. There cannot be two kings in the kingdom. One has to govern. And this is what sent fear into the heart of Herod. 
Now, why did Jesus, why was Jesus put to death? Why did the Jews gang up against him? It was because the fact that he attributed to himself that he is king. Now, you know, for us, it, it, didn't make, it, it, it doesn't make so much meaning. But for them, it was, big, it was a big deal. Because if this guy is saying that he is from the tribe of Judah, and that he's attributing himself to be king, they understood the implication of that statement. They understood that what he was trying to say is that he is the Messiah and the kingdom of God has come. But the problem with them, we're going to deal with that, the problem is that they had a perception of how the kingdom is going to come. And you've got to listen to this because this is where sometimes the church misses it, especially when it comes to the rapture. There, there is a perception, there is a mental image of how we have the coming of Christ to be. And it was the same problem with the Jews. They had an image for them if the kingdom of God was going to come according to what Daniel had spoken about, then it will not just come from a manger, from a young child. No, it will come like the way other kingdoms come to conquer kingdoms. It will come with military might. It will come with soldiers. Come on, are you following what I'm saying? And, and it's not going to just come like that. No, if this is the kingdom of God that is going to cause the Jews to be prominent, that's going to cause, uh, you know, this to be the nation of God, it has to be something cataclysmic. You know, fire, smoke, brimstone, horses, and all sort of stuff. You know, stuff. Now, go to John chapter 18. Let me show you. John chapter 18. And go to verse 33. John chapter 18 and verse 33. Look at this. Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus to him and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? <laughs> uh, then Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? So Pilate was not a Jew, so we understand that Pilate was Roman. Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. <clears throat> what have you done? Look at what Jesus said. This is very important. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not what? Come on, you need to follow me now. My kingdom is not what? Now, Jesus did not say, My kingdom is not in the world. He says, it is not of. The word of, when you use it in, 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 in the Greek literature, the Hebrew, speaks of source. So if I say, David from the house of Jesse, what am I talking about? Is that the difference between of and in? <laughs> these, these are very vital things now. It looks simple, but it's very vital. Jesus did not say, my kingdom is not in the world. He says, my kingdom is not what? Of this world. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the word there is not of this world. Literally means it's not derived from this world. Remember the stone that was cut without human hands. Okay? Now, if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting. 
Now, now you've got to understand what Jesus is t- saying here. That's why you have to pay attention when you're studying the scriptures. Why did he say? He says, if it is of this world, that means if my kingdom took its derivation from this world, the way other servants fight to conquer and overthrow, that is how my servants would fight. So when he says my kingdom is not of this world, what he's literally saying is that my kingdom does not emanate from this realm. So the way the other kingdoms overthrew uh, 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 um, Babylon, Medopatia, Greece, that's not how. Because my servants will not fight like the other kingdoms fought to overthrow these kingdoms. Let's read again. My kingdom. So Jesus admitted that he was a king. Because you cannot say my kingdom if you're not a king. Oh, come on church. Are you here? Alright. He says, it's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting. So that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is. Look at the New American Standard Version. It says, my kingdom is not of this realm. He did not say the kingdom is not in. He just said it is not off. That means when we look at the kingdom, we cannot attribute it to the way the other worldly kingdoms are. Right? Did you, did you follow that now? Okay. Now. So therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born. And for this I have come into the world. Do you remember what Daniel saw? That in the days of those kings, the kingdom of God will be set up. Now Jesus comes here and says, Yeah, I'm a king. And for this reason was I born. To testify the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now, let's look at this now. Uh, go now with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Let, let me begin to enter into this thing gradually now. Matthew chapter 3. Have you followed up until this point? Okay. Matthew chapter 3. <laughs> now, in those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent. Remember what I told you. Matthew used the word the kingdom of heaven. The other Luke, John, and Mark uses more of the kingdom of God. But I'm going to explain, if we have time as we progress, I'm going to explain the difference. Now, let me, let me pause here. Let me, let me say something. Do you realize that Jesus said that of all the prophets that were born, none was greater than John the Baptist. Now let's, let's analyze it. We are all Bible students. In your mind, do you think that's true? We, we know it's true because the word of God says it's true. But if you were to rate all the prophets, what do you think? Would you pick John the Baptist as the greatest prophet? Come on now, let's be honest. I wouldn't pick him either. Would you pick him? Did he perform any miracle? Some of you are not sure. Those that are not sure don't read their Bible. By their shaking of heads, we shall know them. Come on. Did John the Baptist perform any miracle? 
Did he raise any dead? Did he cleanse any leper? So what did he do? Why is he the greatest? Isn't it amazing how God judges greatness? Hmm? Come on. Isn't it amazing how God judges greatness? Do you know why John the Baptist is the greatest of all the prophets? He was the one prophet who signaled and identified Jesus and preached the kingdom. All other prophets prophesied about it. All other prophets could not point people directly and say, this is it. They all spoke. They all talked about it. They all prophesied about it. But the one person who preached the very message that was in the heart of God was John the Baptist. And then the scripture now says, but the least in the kingdom is even greater than John the Baptist. That means you are greater than John the Baptist. And you know why you are greater than John the Baptist? Even when John the Baptist preached, people could not get born again. Because Jesus had not died. But you today can go and preach to somebody and get them born again. What that means is you right now seated here can walk out of this place, go and preach to somebody outside and admit them instantly into the kingdom. Oh. What all the prophets could not do, what Elijah could not do, I know some of us, that doesn't make meaning. Because preaching does not make any meaning to us. It's how to hammer. Do you understand the privilege that we have? That you can admit a man into the kingdom of God. Do you realize Jesus says, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven. Let's not even go there. That you are an ambassador. That God is in you. Reconciling the whole world to himself. That's why you are greater than John the Baptist. And, and I'll say this to you, right? I've said it before and I'll say it to you. There was no miracle Jesus performed that none of the prophets of old had not performed before. No miracle. Multiplying of food, Elijah did. Raising of the dead, the prophets did. If there were miracles that that prophet performed that Jesus did not perform, Jesus did not, did not part the Red Sea. <laughs> are, you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Elijah made axe head to float. I mean, miracles that look like magic. But that's not greatness in the kingdom. Because you can have all of those miracles and yet not be born again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you, you realize God can heal you and you're not his child? Yeah? Do you realize that? You know that God can give you money, yet you're not born again. There is the mercy of God and the reign of God that falls on the just and the unjust. So, the fact that you are healed... The fact that you have resources, it does not literally mean that you are actually in the kingdom. Because God does this out of his goodness. And that is why sometimes we cannot, we cannot, we, 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 we don't seem to be able to understand the character of Christians and the character we see in the scriptures. Because sometimes what Christians are focused on is the material blessings as a symbol of having a walk with God. But when God speaks about the kingdom, he's talking about an internal nature that crushes the systems that are out there in the world. And that's why this subject is very important. Because when we become born again, we are actually in the kingdom of God and there are new rules governing this kingdom. For instance, let me tell you an example. In this kingdom, we love our enemies and we pray for those who hate us. But there are Christians today who hate their enemies and pray against them who hate them. You know that they have not seen the kingdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Let's, let's, let's read on. We'll, we'll get there. God will help us. <laughs> Matthew chapter 3. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, Repent! Repent! Everybody say repent. repent. Say it one more time. Say repent. repent. Say it one more time. Say repent. repent. Repent for what? For the kingdom of heaven is what? At what? Okay. So, follow me carefully now. This is very important. We are going to look at this phrase. What does repentance mean? In this place. It, it, it says, repent for. So, if I say, repent for, it means that I'm giving you the reason to repent. The, 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 why, why you should repent. Now, what does repentance mean? In your mind, what do you think? Hmm? To what? To change from your evil way. Okay, that's, that's, that's good. You are brilliant. You can't be wrong. The word repent in the Greek here is the word metanayo. Metanayo means to change your mind or to think differently about something. Okay. Let me prove it from the scriptures. Do you know that in the scriptures the Bible says God repented? Okay, you don't know. Do you realize the Bible says God repented? So what did God, which wicked way did God change from? Now, there's repentance from changing from your wicked ways. Please follow me. Don't go and say, Pastor doesn't say we should not change. No. We're talking about context. What was John preaching? I don't know if you, if you follow what I'm We're looking at what John was saying here. Because something is happening. The kingdom is here. And they need to think differently about the kingdom. So let's see where the scripture says God repented. And let's see what happened. Go to Exodus chapter 32 quickly with me. Hold your place in Matthew. Exodus 32. Exodus chapter 32. Now, I want you to read uh, verse 6 quickly. Exodus 32 verse 6. So the next day they arose early... You know, and offered bond offerings and bought priest offerings and the people sat down to eat, to drink, rose up to play. This was when they brought the, the tablets of stone. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, go down at once for you, for your people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Okay? They have quickly turned aside from the way which have commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you out from the land of Egypt. That means the children of Israel were committing idolatry. Okay? They were worshipping the golden calf. Verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, I've seen these people and, and behold they are obstinate people now then let me alone that my anger look at this may burn against them that I may destroy them and I'll make of you a great nation go to verse 11 then Moses entreated the Lord and said oh God Oh Lord, why does your anger burn against your people whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand okay why should the Egyptians speak, saying, With evil intent, he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth. Turn from your burning anger and do what? And change your mind about doing harm to your people. Now, the New American Standard Bible interprets it very well. It says, change your mind. Think differently about what you want to do. Now, go to verse 14. He talked about the covenant he had with Abraham. Verse 14 says, So the Lord changed his mind about the hand which he said he would do to his people. If you read the King James Version, it says, So the Lord repented. 
what actually happened here after the intercession you know you follow this now after the intercession of moses what happened here is listen carefully the lord altered his thinking about what he was going to do to the children of israel for that disobedience so you can say that the word repent means to change your mind are you following what I'm saying? That's why, listen very carefully. Come on, you need to follow this now. That's why, you know, sometimes when you, when you have repented, you see sin differently. You think differently about sin. What used to be pleasure to you is no longer pleasure. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Genuine repentance will produce fruits. Please come with me. Go to Matthew chapter, chapter 3 again. You need to follow this. Please make sure you're paying attention and just follow this. Now, in verse 2, it says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what does it mean is at hand? What does it mean is at hand? The word at hand in the Greek is igazo, E-G-G-A-Z-O. It means to be brought near. Now, remember, this is John the Baptist preaching. He says the kingdom, change your mind. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now the word at hand means to be brought near or to approach or to draw closer. Now let's look at other examples in the scripture where that same phrase is used. That same Greek word. Let's look at three places in the scripture where it is used and then you can understand it. Luke 15 verse 1. Let's just look at only Luke. Luke chapter 15 verse 1. We're looking at repent. We've looked at repent. Repent means to change your mind. Metanoia, change your mind. Now, for the kingdom of heaven, we'll look at that later, is at hand. We're looking at at hand. You know, the word means to draw near. Luke 15, 1. Look at this. Uh, am I right with that? Mm, okay. Now, uh, the, look at this. Luke 15, 1. Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. That word coming near him is the same Greek word egazo. Now, if I'm talking here and you are coming near me so you can hear me, what, 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 does, that, what does that tell you? You're coming closer, right? Am I very, for instance, if I'm speaking here, you can't hear me and you're drawing near to hear me. Do we have any other translation? Uh, I don't know. I didn't check other translations, but I'm just thinking. Let's try amplified or message. Let me just see if it, if it makes it. Uh, okay, okay, fine. Message is fine. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. Let's go back. C can you see that? If you're hanging around someone listening intently, what does that mean? You're coming to close what? Proximity. So it means that the kingdom was around. Praise God. Let's look at Luke 15, 25. That's in Luke 15, 25. You can go back to the New American Standard. That's fine. Now, this is the parable of the lost son. Okay? Now, his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. Now, approached here or came near to approach the house is the same Greek word used. Now, if I'm, if I'm approaching a house to hear music in that house, come on, what does that mean? I need you to get something. What does that mean? I'm very close because if I'm not close, I cannot hear the music coming out of what? The house. So when John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was talking about something that was very close. 
It wasn't talking about something that we will wait and thousands and thousands of years and we're still waiting. No! Because all the examples of that Greek word egazo used there means that they were so close. Because I cannot hear the music here if I'm not close to the house. I cannot hang around you to listen to you if I'm not close to you. Okay? One more scripture, Luke chapter 18, verse 40. Because Daniel said, in the days of these kings, what was going to happen? The king, the God of heaven, will set up a kingdom. So we're trying to establish that, yeah, the kingdom was set up when Jesus came. So the kingdom is not just something we're waiting for. It's something that's already existing. And that's the message. And because the reason why a lot of church folks don't understand it, because we don't spend our time learning about the kingdom. We'd rather spend our time learning about other things that we can get as opposed, come on, what does Matthew chapter 6 tell us? Seeking the kingdom. And you see, the more we talk about the kingdom, the more we talk about the character of the kingdom, the nature of the kingdom, praise God, and, and the attitude of the kingdom, we will be more conscious that we are kingdom citizens. We will not be looking for a place to go, rather we'll be looking for how to manifest the message of the kingdom. Are you here? Alright. Matthew, uh, Luke chapter what? Where did I say she turns to? Luke 18, verse 40. And Jesus stopped. This was the man that was asking him for, for help. Go to verse 39. Those who led him, blind Bartimaeus, were standing telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Remember I told you, Son of David was the covenant name of, of Jesus. You don't, need to preach, you don't need to pray today and say Son of David. Jesus is not son of David to you. He's your father. He's your brother. Jesus is our elder brother. He's our God. Are you following what I'm saying? So you don't need to go, and go into ancient names. It will not make God hear you more. Let's, let's leave that. Those who led him, verse 40, And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him. That word, when he came near, is the same word, Egazo. The same word, at hand. Yeah? So, if I want to heal someone, and somebody's crying, I say, Oh, pastor, have mercy on me. And I want to heal the person, I say, Let them bring the person to me. And, it, and then the scripture says, when, uh, Or maybe the, the wherever says, And when he came near to pastor, Where do you think, if I'm standing here, And he say, When he came near to pastor, Where do you probably think that person is going to be? Do you even think the person is going to be on the front row? No. Because that's not even near enough. Come on now. That was how close the kingdom was to them. And do you know why he was saying that was how close the kingdom was to them? Because Jesus who carried the kingdom was that close to them. But they didn't know. Just the way the church world doesn't know today. And that's how sometimes we fight ourselves over politics. Because we don't understand how the kingdom of God works. We still think that a lot of the things that God wants to do in this day and in this age is going to be by natural means. Come on, the church world needs to wake up to this message. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I'm going to show you on Wednesday. Make sure you're in all the Wednesday series. We're talking about the kingdom of God and healing the sick. How Jesus never separated the kingdom from healing the sick. In fact, Jesus says, If I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom has come unto you. Because you know what? In displacing the devil, the kingdom comes. Every time he told them to preach the kingdom, he told them to heal the sick. You know why? Because there is no sickness in the kingdom. 
So every time we heal the sick, we're establishing his kingdom. <laughs> Come on, are you still here? Alright now. Where are we? Mm. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that word is to draw nigh. I want to finish something today. I want to get to the kingdom of God, suffered violence. I really want to get there. Now, um, let me see here now. My note is full, so sometimes looking what to... Go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. So we understand that John the Baptist preached this, that the kingdom of God is nigh. Go to Mark chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. Now, Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Beautiful. As it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord. Okay? Make his path straight. Jesus appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So he talked about, now, uh, somebody say, yeah, there's repentance and forgiveness of sin here. But don't forget, there, he told them just one line. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here, he talked about the baptism of repentance. Okay? Baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So they had to be baptized for this forgiveness of sins. All the country of Judah was going out to him and all the people of Jerusalem and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River confessing their sin. John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather bed around his waist and his diet was locust and white on it. And he was preaching and saying, After me, one who is coming is mightier than I and I'm not fit to stoop down and untie the tongue of his sandals. Now, a lot of people do not understand. Let me just put this phrase here. I'll put it here for you to study. A lot of people do not understand when the scripture uses the word coming. There are seven Greek words used for the word coming. One of them is parousia. It means an appearance. Okay? There are seven Greek words used for coming. And the reason I'm saying this is because even though John the Baptist said the one coming after me, I'm unworthy to untie his shoes and he was talking about Jesus, till today the Jews are still waiting for the Messiah. Because this same message of the coming, they did not understand how he came. Hmm? Let, me, let me stretch your brain a little. You know, it's very correct. The scripture says the coming of Christ is like the coming of the, of, like in the days of Noah. Am I right? Am I right? This is side journey for you to go and study more. Huh? Am I right? Is that Bible? In the days of Noah, who was taken? It's clear now. Who was destroyed? Who was left? Hmm? So if the coming of the Son of Man is going to be like that, what, what's, what's that? It's simple now. <laughs> it's not difficult. You're finding it difficult because of what you have heard. It's simple. If I say my coming is going to be like this, all I have to do is check how that coming was and I know how my coming will be. Huh? Mark chapter 1. <laughs> Go to verse 9. You know what I want you to do? I want to, I want to encourage you to go and read the Bible yourself. And I'll tell you this as a Bible teacher. If I teach you anything that you don't find in the scripture, throw it away. 
But if I teach you something and I can show you scriptures from it, go back, study it. Praise the name of the Lord. We're going to deal with that. We're going to deal with all of that. <laughs> Look at this now. Verse 9. In those days, okay, John, J- J- Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. He didn't say the spirit is a dove. He said it was like a dove. Because most people like symbols. Immediately, and a voice came out of the heavens. You are my beloved son. In you, I'm well pleased. Immediately, the spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with a white beast and the angels were ministering to him. Now, verse 14. Now, after John had been taken into custody. That means at this point... Jesus had finished, uh, sorry, John the Baptist had finished preaching. Jesus had been baptized. Now, John was arrested. So, now, observe something carefully. Now, the fact that John was arrested and John was taken into custody means that the ministry of John was about to be cut off. Right? Come on now, you understand that? Now, the message has to continue. Now, let's see the message that Jesus picked up. Jesus came, now verse 14 again, now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. Now, remember in Mark chapter 1 verse 1, Mark said, this is the gospel of Christ. Okay? Mark chapter 1 verse 14 now says, Jesus was now preaching the gospel of God. Now, the first thing is this. What is the word gospel? The word gospel means good news. Right? Right? That's what what gospel means. Good news. Now, it means he came proclaiming the good news of God. Now, what is that good news? It tells us, it defines to us what the gospel of God is. And saying. So, he says, preaching the gospel of God. And saying. So, the word preaching, let me say the word preaching, right? Uh, So, what I'm doing now, people can call it preaching or teaching. But actually, when you look at Bible history or the way, the word preaching actually means to herald. Okay? To proclaim. To make an announcement. I don't know how many of us grew up in the village. But if if you grew up in the village... You will know that when the king wants to pass an important announcement, what does he do? Hmm? He sends what? A town crier. That is preaching. That was how preaching was done. Preaching was not done the way I'm doing now. Turn to Matthew. Turn to Luke. Go to James. No, 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 no. Remember, as of the time they were preaching, the Bible was not there in that sense. So, what they were actually doing was to proclaim a news. Yeah? To, to, to declare a news. So, it's like Jesus was going about saying this thing. What was Jesus saying? The time is fulfilled. Ah, oh, you need to get this. John the Baptist comes preaching and says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist is arrested taken into prison. Jesus is speaking up that message. Jesus does not start with repent. Yeah? He's here now. Jesus started, go back to verse 14, preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time 
is fulfilled. So, Jesus did not start from repent, the kingdom of heaven. No, no, no. Jesus, Jesus started by acknowledging that the time is now. That everything in the prophets and the Psalms and the law, this is the fulfillment. How do we know? Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. Hold your place in Matthew chapter 1. Galatians 4 4. Galatians 4 4. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, under the Lord. So, Paul says, when the fullness of time came. Now, if I say fullness of time has come, it means there's no time again. Right? If it's, if, if, if I say, well, in football, that would not be a good example. But you know, in extra, in, well, in football you have extra time. But actually, when you say full time, right? Right? If you say at full time, the scores was 3-2 or 3-1. Yesterday was a good day. You know, <laughs> you know. So if you say at full time, the scores was 3-1, right? What am I saying? There's no other extra time. That's, even if there was extra time, the extra time is calculated into the full time. Yeah? So Jesus comes and says, so Paul says, how do we know the fullness of time? How do we know that the full time of the agenda of God is accomplished? Paul, um, Paul tells us that that time, God is going to send forth his son. The person God is going to send forth will be the son of God, but will be born of a woman and he will be under the law. There are three indications here. So, is Jesus the Son of God? Yes. Was He born of a woman? Yes. Was He under the law? Yes. So, it means that Jesus fits the category of the Son of God who was born at the fullness of time. Why is it the fullness of time? Because this is the time that God is going to set up His kingdom through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And immediately after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom is going to be thrown open and anybody who wants to get into the kingdom can have access to the kingdom and that kingdom will endure forever. Glory to God. Are you following this now? Now, go back to Matthew. This is just to confirm that time is fulfilled. What time is fulfilled? Go back to Matthew. And, and, and saying, so he was preaching and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Come on now. Are you here? The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Come on, how did Jesus say? Repent. Did you see where Jesus put his repentance? So Jesus comes and says, you know what? The time is here. The time is fulfilled. Do you remember when you read, read the book of Isaiah? He says, now, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. So look at the way Jesus preached. The time is here. It's the fullness of time. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Change your mind and believe the gospel. So what's the gospel? The kingdom of God is here. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Salvation is your entrance into the kingdom. 
So the totality, listen carefully now, the totality of the gospel is not to be saved. Salvation is how you enter. Now when you have entered, there are many things in the kingdom we need to start exploring. There are many things in the kingdom we need to start learning. He says, the time is fulfilled. And the word time is, is the kairos moment. Not just chronological. It's like both chronos and kairos time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Believe, repent, change your mind, change the way you think, and believe in the gospel. He did not use a gospel, he says the gospel. What's the English language? It's definite what? Definite what? Come on now, English. What's the? It's a definite article. If I say this is the man, it means there's no other man. <laughs> Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It says this is the gospel. What is the gospel? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here. Change the way you think. It says, and believe in the gospel. This was what Jesus preached. This was the gospel that Jesus preached. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, let me, let me, uh, let me see here now. Mm-mm-mm. Let me, let me explain something to you. I think I can wrap up there. Then uh, on Sunday, I'll talk about the four elements that make up the kingdom. And we'll just pick it up from there. Let's go to, uh, let me see, to Matthew chapter 4. Let's try something here. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 17. Matthew picks it up differently. Matthew four seventeen. From that time on. <laughs> uh, let me see there. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, okay. I want to explain something to you here when you talk about sitting in the land and in the shadow of death. What is the shadow of death? What is the shadow of death? Hmm? Okay, well, let's leave that. But, but, but here, it's talking about those who walk by the law. Because the law, according to Corinthians, is the ministry of death. Matthew chapter 4. Just leave that one. Verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee and living in Nazareth, he came and settled in Campania, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Verse 14. This, Matthew 4, 14. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Verse 16. Look at this. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and the shadow of death People who were sitting and walking by the law. Because the law was death. Remember, the law was referred to as the shadow of things to come. Yeah? <laughs> okay. Upon them a light dawned. What was the light? From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? Now go to verse 23. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That's what Jesus was doing everywhere he went. 
He was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of sickness and disease. That means everywhere Jesus went, He told them, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is here. And that was the problem they had with the message of Jesus. Now, let's go to something that's a bit popular and then I'll wrap up and then I'll continue from there. Uh, Luke chapter 16 and verse 16. Remember, I said something, right? Let me just say this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Remember, I said something. I said, when a kingdom comes to conquer another kingdom, let me, please, just, just give me a couple of minutes. Follow this first before you turn your scriptures. Follow this very carefully. When a kingdom comes to take over another kingdom, it doesn't totally annihilate or destroys or crushes that kingdom in that sense. It takes over and it starts introducing its values. That's what colonization is. How many of you understand what colonization is? Right? Now, I'm wearing suits today, not because my grandfather's wore suits. If I were to go by the dressing of my grandfather's, what do you think I'll be wearing? Rapper. Ah, oh, look strange in rapper. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? Do you realize that if I come up here on Sunday and I tie rapper with, well, in my own culture, they wear rapper and singlets, which, which is good because it saves you money for shirts. You know, and you don't need air condition. But imagine I come on a Sunday with my chest mic and wrapper and singlets. Come on, how many of you think you're going to pay attention? Right? And of course, you know I will not be pre- preaching in English, right? Yeah? I won't be preaching in English. English is not my grandfather's language. Right? So why am I wearing suit today? Why are you wearing suit today? Huh? Because we're colonized by who? Listen, this is very important to the message. We're colonized by who? By the British. Now, I've gone to Cameroon. I've gone to Cameroon to preach. You know how our bread is, right? Our bread is... I know how our loaf of bread is. Hmm? But in Cameroon, their bread is long. Uh-huh. You know how Cameroon bread is. They call it French bread. Very long. The first time I went to Cameroon, I was surprised. Like, they said we should go and buy bread. And then they brought, like, bako sack to put bread. I'm like... Why? Because they were colonized by the French. Now, what I'm saying is that when a kingdom comes, because that's where people miss it. People will tell you, if the kingdom of God is here, why are people dying? If, if it, no, 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 no. no. The kingdom infiltrates by transmitting values. So even though Rome was governing Israel, what Rome did was they came and they had tax collectors. In fact, when Rome conquers a... or That's what is called... Uh, uh, well, it's taking me far, far, far away, but... Let me just say, the word church is actually supposed to be the word ecclesia, which is the gathering of people or gathering of senators. Now, what happens is, let me just put it there. What happens is that when a colony is, is, when you colonize a nation, you send your ambassadors to that nation. And they will begin to teach that nation how to dress, how to, with their food and their language. What are they trying to do? They are trying to recolonize those people. Now, after a while, your own kingdom will disappear. Like now, that if somebody doesn't even speak good English, we laugh at them. Why do we laugh at those people? Because over time, the British have colonized us to the point where we now see the British system as the best system to the detriment of our own culture. So the British have actually taken over us without annihilating us, but invading us. Let me give you a biblical example. So when Chedrak, Meshach, and Abednego, you know Chedrak, Meshach, and Abednego is the name that was given to them by the Babylonian king. We even call them by those names. 
So what did they say? Select for me ten of your young men that we will teach the language of the Chaldeans. So they had to reteach Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the language of the Chaldeans, teach them the Babylonian food. Over time, Daniel became a governor in Babylon. Are you following this? Because the, the issue people have is, if the kingdom of God is here, why are things like this? The kingdom of God, we have the responsibility to spread it. This is the end of my message, but it's, it's good. I just feel we need to talk about it now. Are you following what I'm saying now? So, the way Jesus came, let, let me read something. Colossians, just put it up for me. Colossians 1.13. Don't turn there. Listen to me. Don't put it up. We'll read it together. Is that he took 12 men, right, and indoctrinated them and filled them with the Holy Spirit and sent them into the nations. And those people began to spread the kingdom. So, for he has rescued us from the domain or the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So this is, the, this is it. This is it. Hold this scripture here. I preach the gospel. Someone receives the gospel. Right? Someone receives the gospel. And he accepts the Lord Jesus. And Colossians 1.13 happens in his life. That means by the time the person is walking from here and going back to his seat, he has been moved. He's changed kingdoms. Now, what should we emphasize in the church? Training that person the kingdom values. That's why we miss it. Now, when that person gets born again, we start teaching him about generational causes. We start telling him how he will prosper. We start teaching him how his God is not a poor God. And that guy does not know how to walk in love, patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness, forbearance, long-suffering. There are a lot of you here that are very close to me. You're not from my tribe. Right? You're not from my tribe. I'm accepted here. I'm loved by people here from all tribes in Nigeria. Right? That are in the local church. I will never in my life think of killing any of you. And I hope none of you is thinking of that. I can say for myself. Are you following what I'm saying? So imagine if the whole nation was the way we are. Would you still want to go to heaven? Are you following what I'm saying? So the response, but the problem is because the church doesn't focus on this message, we think of either escaping or just amassing wealth. But there is something God wants us to spread all over the world. And it's the kingdom of God. Are you still here? If you're honest, some of you, your Christian brothers have done for you more than what some of your family will do for you. People in the faith have stood by you, have helped you, have supported you more than what your own natural or tribesmen will do for you. That's the power. The kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Now, uh, okay, let me use five minutes. Luke 16, 16. Hey, this is a very interesting scripture. <laughs> Luke 16, 16. The Lord and the prophets were proclaimed. They were taught until John. He said the Lord and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Please pay attention to this. Since that time, since what time? Observe that again. Right? 
the law and the prophets were proclaimed unto John the Baptist since that time. Because that is the same thing Jesus said. The time is fulfilled. Since that time, what's happening? The gospel of the kingdom has been preached. And everyone is forcing his way into it. Mm. Everyone is forcing his way into it. Okay. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Thank you Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11 and verse 7. Uh, Matthew 11 verse 7. Please pay attention to this. As the men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in the king's palace. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And one who is more than a prophet. Verse 10. That, this is the one about whom it's written. Behold, I send my messengers ahead of you. Who will prepare your way before you? Verse 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a reason anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Verse 12. Verse 12. From the days, from, he picks it up. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And violent men take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John. Now, what is he saying here? When you read this scripture, the kingdom of God suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Come on, what comes to your mind? Hey, hey, talk to me. What comes to your mind? Prayer warriors. Huh? Eh? Warfare. The kingdom of God suffered violence. Violence. I will not take it easy. Spiritual answers. No, but that's not what he's talking about. He's saying that when the message of the kingdom started being preached, people were forcing their way to enter the kingdom. Why were they forcing their way to enter the kingdom? Jesus tells us. Go to Matthew chapter 23. Go to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Verse 13. This is why they were forcing their way. It's like if you needed to get into the kingdom, you need to forcefully get into the kingdom. And why it was also forceful is because Jesus had not died. Because when he died, getting into the kingdom became easy. But look at why they, were, they had to force themselves into the kingdom. Or to take it, or to seize it by force. Look at it. It says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from the people. For you do not allow in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So, listen, listen to this. Why was Jesus saying the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violence got it by force? He says the scribes and the Pharisees, they stood at the door. They would not enter the kingdom. They would not allow others to enter. How were they doing it? By what they were preaching. They made the kingdom difficult. If anybody was to follow Jesus, they made it difficult for him. So Jesus was saying, from the days of John the Baptist, anyone who wants to enter the kingdom will have to force their way past the Jews, the scribes, and the Pharisees to be able to follow Jesus. 
If Jesus healed you on the Sabbath, it was trouble. If you followed Jesus, it was trouble. So for you to follow Jesus in the days of John the Baptist, you had to take it by force. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that what God had take it by force. No, 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 no. Read other translation. Let me let me show that translations to you. The Wemoth translation says, The law and the prophets continued unto John. From that time, the good news of the kingdom has been spreading. And all classes have been forcing their way into it. Why classes? Because some people were not permitted to even come into the synagogue. For instance, the woman with the issue of blood, she couldn't come out to hear the gospel. Look at World English Bible. The law and the prophets were unto John. From that time, the good news of the kingdom is preached and everyone is forcing its way into it. The young literal translation. The law and the prophets are unto John. Since the reign of God, I like this, the kingdom of God is the reign of God. Since the reign of God is proclaimed, good news, and everyone thought pressed into it. Why were they pressing into it? Because the scribes and the Pharisees were hindering people from receiving the gospel of the kingdom. So when he says... Uh, from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom suffered violence and the violence to get it by force. It's not about what God has promised you. It's about getting into the kingdom. I'll show you one more scripture. Luke chapter 11 verse 52. Woe to you lawyers. Woe to you lawyers. Woe is curse. Woe to you lawyers. For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourself did not enter and you hindered those who were entering. So, how do you take the kingdom of God by force? Or how were they taking the kingdom of God by force? The lawyers, the scribes that were to teach them the law, took away the key of knowledge. They didn't enter the kingdom, they didn't allow others to enter the kingdom. So, if you needed to follow Jesus, you had to force your way to be able to follow Jesus. That's what the kingdom of God survived violence. And the violent take it by force means. It didn't mean the rebels, the activists. That is why Nicodemus had to come to Jesus by night. Because if he came by the day, the scribes would kill him. And they kept teaching people what would not make them enter the kingdom. Can I tell you today, most times in our pulpit on Sunday morning, pastors hold the key of knowledge. By teaching people about demons and Satan and how you are being pursued, how witches are after you, marine spirits, Occultic spirits, Obanje spirits, teach you all of that trash, and you know what they are doing? They are making it hard for you to enter the kingdom. They don't want to enter. They don't even want you to enter because of the key of knowledge. So you can now understand when Jesus says, "I give you the key," what he meant. I give you access that by the teaching of God's word, people can access the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We just bless you for the revelation of your word. We pray today that light and understanding will come forth in and through your people. And I just pray, Father God, that many will receive this message and this light. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.